Can you hear that? That's the rain. Yeah, it's coming down hard out there, which is great. We need more of it. Just need it in the right areas. Hey guys, what is going on? And welcome back to Pushing Through Blue for the first episode of 2020. I'm your host, Dane Peavy. This is a mental health podcast, sharing stories of people's experiences with mental health in an effort to bring awareness, help start conversations, and break that stigma surrounding mental health. As always, before we dive into the episode, please, please, please make sure that you've gone and you've already listened to the important disclosure episode of this podcast. It is extremely important. On this episode, the first episode of 2020, I was so privileged to be able to speak to Jordan Brown, a mental health advocate, a writer, a poet, creator of all sorts of content. You may have already seen him on Twitter if you were following him. And he's also the creator of the Mental Health Update website, which just comes with a lot of awesome content surrounding mental health, which we'll dive into in this episode as well. And just like that, there goes the rain. On the episode, we talk about Jordan's experiences and learnings about caring for a loved one with a mental illness. We also talk about his struggles with anxiety and depression, including his post-surgical depression, which is more common than a lot of people realize. We talk about how he feels and how he was failed by the mental health system, doctors failing to warn patients about risks associated with post-surgery depression, and Jordan's own experiences when he did reach out after surgery for help, and how it took Jordan driving to the ER himself to be properly diagnosed and treated. We also talk about how important yet how hard it is to keep going and to keep seeking the correct treatment and diagnosis that's best suited to you, but also to have a well-balanced life. And it's so important when taking care of yourself and your own mental health. Jordan also shares his journey with regards to mental health awareness and creating content that is authentic through written articles, poetry, created after he wasn't seeing the mental health content that he wanted to see that was genuine and was providing him with value his experiences with building a positive mental health community online, and how Jordan manages his own mental health, and so much more. I really enjoyed chatting with Jordan, and feel the episode includes a lot of perspective, advice, and insight. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let me know if you do. Jordan, welcome to the podcast, mate. How you going? Good. Thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Mate, just before we get into this, I've just got to say, I've been following your content for, I think I started following it last year. I found you on Twitter, and it was roughly around about the same time that I started the podcast. Maybe, actually, I think I started, it would have been probably about six months into the podcast. I saw you on Twitter, and I have been following you since, mate. So that content that you've been creating and, you know, all the posts that you've been doing on Twitter, I love your work. So I just wanted to say that up front, man. Thank you so much for that. And I know a lot of people resonate yeah, with that well, as well to follow you. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, especially I don't think I have uh, too many uh, Australian followers, so it's good. It's, it's Twitter's been a journey. I never thought it would turn into what it is, but uh, it really has changed my life in a lot of good ways. No, that's awesome, mate. I appreciate that. One of the big reasons why I wanted to ask you onto the podcast, and thank you so much for coming on. As I said, I'm a big fan of your, your content. I know that following you, you're all about speaking your truth, and mm-hmm. I guess the content that you've been sharing around 
mental health and mental health awareness, you know, really resonates how like genuine you are. And the fact that for me and in, in my perspective, I just feel that the content and the amount of content that you're doing at the moment is just completely at scale, whether it's from the website and it's from Twitter, right? you know, you're always on there, you're on the daily, you know, whether it's affirmations or just content or newsletters, things that you're, articles that you're creating yourself or you're sharing. I, I just feel like you're getting louder and louder. In a good way, I hope. Yeah, in, a, in <laughs> right. a, absolutely a good way. And I can see it and I can see, you know, I can see the comments and I can see the people just following you and, you know, you're yeah. doing good work, man. So I wanted to, bring you on the podcast and have a chat with you and hopefully a lot of what we talk about today will resonate with a lot of the listeners that listen to this podcast i'd like for the listeners to have a look at definitely at the website and and follow you on twitter but also like a a little bit as well for for myself is that i want to get to know yourself you know i've been someone that's consuming content and you know i just want to take the opportunity to get to know yourself and get to know your backstory and, and i guess why you become you know so passionate in creating awareness to mental health and and a little bit about your journey. Well, I appreciate it. And I really appreciate it because, you know, not everyone does that. Like, I really like thoughtful people. Uh, but in this fast-paced world, not everyone takes the time to slow down and see, like, who is this person really that I'm interacting with, especially online. But I first got started in the mental health world because of something that happened with my mom. She experienced a pretty scary mental health crisis when I was still in college. And I think it really started in 2007 where her mom passed away suddenly. It was the grandparent, my grandma, who I was closest to, and she just one day dropped dead. And it was totally out of the ordinary. Uh, We now realize that she likely had the same heart issue that I have. So I'm this lucky one that's kind of inherited. I don't even know if you call it that. uh, A congenital heart issue where I had to have surprise heart surgery uh, right before I turned 25. So 24, right before I turned 25, I needed to replace my aortic heart valve with a titanium one, which is also part of my mental health story. But I'll back up to my mom, where her her mom passed away. And I didn't know it at the time, but she just did not handle it well. Like, she was very close with her mom. They talked all the time. Mm. And I think my mom, she just stopped sleeping, was having panic attacks, um, and was a teacher at the time, and was having to call off work because she couldn't teach. And so this was getting worse when I was still in college up until when I graduated in 2009. Her dad, my grandfather, basically, he had bipolar disorder and drank himself to death and just was not a very healthy person. Um, and after that happened where his, his wife passed away, my grandma, he basically, my mom asked him and he said, yeah, I'm drinking myself to death. So it was not an easy uh, time. Mm. But what happened after that, I remember being at his funeral and just being in a car with my mom, I think after we had buried him and she was just talking a mile a minute. Like I had never experienced anything like it with her. She was just kind of like pointing out, you know, there's a tree that I passed when I was a kid and look at this tree and that tree. And it's like, well, okay, there are trees. That's nice. And we got to like a, a kind of, um, I, it wasn't a party. What do you have afterwards after a funeral? Just oh, get wait. together, you know? awake something like that where we were just getting together and she was standing up on chairs and yelling things and like i'd never my mom never did anything like that she was a very kind like almost subdued kind woman mm. um and from there uh, i luckily was home at the time because i just graduated i was going to head into the peace corps which is like a two-year service term uh go to guatemala and she just kept getting worse and worse like i ca- came home one day and i found a digital camera on the table And there were like hundreds of photos of just the weirdest things, like the bottom of the toilet, like underneath the car, like weird pictures that she had taken. 
And she came out and she was trying to explain everything, but it just didn't make any sense. Like, I, I felt like I was in a horror film. It's hard to kind of describe here what was going on. Uh, up until the point, like, Thanksgiving Day, the night before, she was convinced she had to go drive to Ohio to, like, save her family from something. Just making no sense. Absolutely no sense. And yeah. um, it kind of all culminated where she, like, lunged at my father and cursed at him. And she doesn't swear at all. And this had been months going on some like pretty manic symptoms and i said like we got to take her we got to take her to the hospital um and somehow like we got her to the hospital she wouldn't let me drive for whatever reason so i was behind her like in the seat behind her because she said she was going to jump out of the car and it was all this stuff that was just terrifying thankfully we got her into the hospital and i, I you know i just felt so guilty like i had done the wrong thing putting my mom in the hospital telling her i would call the cops if she tried to run out of the hospital because she threatened to, like she threatened to get out of the hospital. But um, now years down the road, so that was 2009. It was the right, it was the right move. How old are you? 24 at that time? At that, no. So I was uh, right out of college. I was like 21. Wow. Okay. I hadn't yet gone to the Peace Corps. Right. Didn't know about my heart issue. I'd been healthy my whole life. Yep. And yep. so it was bad. It was a couple years of medicine and her getting back on the right path, but. They thought she had bipolar, which is, it doesn't really happen when you're in your 50s. Um, what what was going on now we realize, and this is something I've experienced myself, is is like lack of sleep led to a psychotic break is essentially yeah. what happened with her. Um, so I'm just so thankful that she did get good care at this hospital in, in yeah. Rochester, New York. Yeah, the way, the way you were talking about that, what sort of came to my mind was psychosis. But that's interesting that you're saying that, like, and, and yeah. by psychosis, I mean just like impacted from this trauma event. And, and that was just exactly. her mind putting her in this sort of reality where she, whether she felt safe or that's where her headspace was at the time. So the link was with sleep? Lack of sleep, really, because she said she wasn't sleeping at all. Right. And, and I can tell you later kind of what's linked with my heart surgery and my lack of sleep story. A similar thing happened to me, which is it's pretty wild, like coming full circle and how she was able to help me later on. Um, but it was lack of sleep. It was the trauma, like you said, which it often is. Like, we don't talk about trauma nearly yeah. enough in its impact on mental health. But that, long story short, is when I came back from Peace Corps early, I moved to Montana, uh, where I live now, and I joined NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Okay. I don't know if it's big. I don't think it's big in Australia. No, but, I, I uh, don't think so. It, to be honest, I haven't heard of it. That's not to say it's it's not there. It's mainly in the U.S., but it's the biggest grassroots uh, mental health organization in the U.S. And uh, I ended up taking a course that I think changed the trajectory of my life. It was a 12-week course that basically teaches you how to care for a loved one with a mental oh, illness. Oh, wow. And can I ask just a question on that one there? How did you find that? Was that through speaking to someone yeah. in particular or who sort of referred you or recommended that service? And this is a problem you often find with mental health services that people often find them when it's too late. Yeah. I, I think just being kind of um, searching on my own uh, and always being curious. I think I actually found NAMI on my okay. own to start because I wasn't yet a social worker. I wasn't yet in the mental health community. And so I was looking for something I could do. And this free course popped up. And it seemed like it would be a great idea. And uh, I was the youngest one in it, probably by 25 to 30 oh, years. Wow. But okay. I actually had, I learned that I had a lot to teach. And it's what made me realize, hey, maybe I want to go back to school to support people through difficult times because th this is great. I love it. And did you find that a course actually helped at home? Yeah, it really did. People are, I think, a little slow to take the course because it seems so daunting mm. to do a 12-week course, two and a half hours each session. Yeah. Um, but 
it was fantastic. It's really well put together. Each of these courses is taught by two family members okay. with lived experience. So they've been to the course, they've been trained, they know what it's like. And you go from learning about mental illness to, I think it's in class three, you learn to tell your story. And for a lot of times, and it's a wonderful thing to see is family members are sharing their story for the very first time. So after class three, leading up to class 12, you just see the bonds like happening right in front of you. People changing from pretty terrified individuals to advocates who are like ready to go to a legislature to, to talk about their stories. And and it's an amazing experience to see people come together. This Sounds way. really like therapeutic as well. Like even if you just did it for yourself as just a life skills, for example, Absolutely. but then obviously Absolutely. Yeah, benefiting yourself. The thing is you have to have a family member with, they really, they really try to keep to that, that you have to have a family member that you're supporting or that you know who has a mental illness, just because it is such like a safe space. You yeah. want to make sure you're all on the same level and you're, you're revealing some pretty like heavy traumatic yeah. experiences. Absolutely. You've done the course. I did the course. I thought everything was going really well. I think it was right before that actually that I had had this heart surgery uh, that came out of nowhere that I did, like I learned about it in April 2012 that I I was having strange symptoms like I pretty much fainted at work one day my my arms and legs were really heavy and I was always healthy my whole life uh, thankfully my girlfriend at the time now wife was pushing me to go to the ER which I don't know if I would have she probably saved my life in in a lot of ways um, and I went to the ER a couple times like I was in Helena, Montana, the capital of Montana, but it's not a very good healthcare system. Uh, and they were failing me in a lot of ways. My girlfriend kept pushing me to go. Uh, eventually, I got connected with a doctor who looked at my echocardiogram and was like, you need to have surgery within a couple months or you're going to die. You're like, wow. your heart's failing. So I went from being totally healthy to not being able to lift up 20 pounds. Like my heart's totally failing on me. And I went to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota and got this heart surgery. And the thing I always tell people is like, heart surgery, you think that physical recovery will be the hardest part. They're literally breaking open your chest and I have wires now in my chest to, to, to fix this thing. I'm on blood thinners. But it, it was the emotional recovery that was brutal. Like yeah. it, for whatever reason, and this is actually, uh, I've since met a lot of people this happened to, but after you've had an invasive surgery like that, it's pretty common to have mental health issues. Yes. And I just had horrible feelings of shame emerge from out of nowhere, I couldn't sleep. And for a couple, I would say like a solid year, year and a half, this went on where my lack of sleep got so bad, I would say it was about five months. So in a way, like I was kind of repeating what happened to my mom. I didn't sleep for, for so long that like I literally, my mental health suffered so much that I was teaching this NAMI course. I was running family support groups and expanding my reach that way. But like here I was, I couldn't sleep and I was doing everything I thought I was supposed to be doing. Yep. And I was being failed by the mental health care system. So it was all, it was all of that. It was, it was all of these things that I didn't want others to go through the situation with a family member, yeah. with themselves. Uh, it, it wasn't fair. The, the, the lack of education I had, the lack of resources, it, there needed to be more out there. Can I just ask a question? So at that time, when you're obviously going through that as well, were you still taking care of your mom? So I was in Montana and she was still in New York. Oh, okay. And so she was slowly doing better over the years. I think probably by, no, I remember that 2012, she, she wasn't doing well because mm. um, her medicine was a little off and, and I love her. She's great. She's back to how she was. But she was saying stuff that was just like, with my new relationship with this girlfriend, was not helpful. Like she would say, 
Um, well, don't you want to come here? I just don't want you to die. Like, don't go. It's like, I got to go to the place where they do these heart surgeries, mom. <laughs> like, yeah. where they're they're known for it, like, around the country. Yep. I, this is not, like, a like a knee procedure. Like, this is a major surgery. And so she just was not be. She was acting out of her own fear and her mental state at the time. Oh, for um, sure. So in in a way, I was talking to her on the phone, but no, I couldn't be there in person to. No, that's all right. I just I just didn't know like what you just mentioned before about people talk about when they have this you know, whether they have a big surgery or they're you know in an accident or they have some physical accident surgery or whatever happened to yeah. them. They don't you know everyone thinks about the physical recovery, but they don't think about the mental recovery. You know, and that only really, I never really actually thought about that. I've never. Been in that situation where I've had anything happen to me or a family member yeah. touch wood that I've actually been exposed to that I say this on the podcast all the time you only know what you know and it's interesting right. when you when you speak to people when you share stories and experiences uh, in my case that's the only way that I became aware of it one of the episodes that I did was with Reginald Howard who is okay. the host and creator of the black mental health podcast he was actually in a car accident prior okay. just shortly prior to um doing the episode with me and he was in that recovery mode and he talked a lot about it and it really sort of like opened my eyes to something that people need to be more aware of that when they're in these situations going through physical treatment or they've had something majorly physical happen to them yeah they need to also think about their mental health as well and checking in on people on that aspect as well but sorry yeah i, I just what the reason why i asked about your mum was more so just about whether that was something else you, you're trying to look after yourself obviously these things are happening to you in the past i know you've mentioned about you know, family mental health illnesses and issues there but it's something that probably you've never had direct exposure with regards to yourself probably up until now you, well, you know, it, it's funny because I was just about to add this that I, yeah, you do need to take care of your own mental health after a surgery or whatever, mm. but the doctors at the Mayo Clinic should have brought that up too. Sure. There was no mention of that. And it's pretty common. This is a common thing that's been studied and never were they like, well, you need, you need to think about this could affect your mental health too. Here are some resources. There was nothing like that. Yeah. It was all like, just make sure you don't eat too many leafy green vegetables because that will thicken your blood, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I just, when I have the time down the road, that's something I want to work on too, that we need to be talking about more mental, about mental health when we mm. have major procedures like this. Cause uh, so many people have talked to me about that. Um, but it was more than just self care. Something was seriously wrong because you talk about, is that the first time I dealt with it? I've always had anxiety. I realize now when I was a kid, I was a highly anxious kid. I just mm. didn't know what it was and, and no one was able to talk to me about it. It would have helped so much to have, uh, words to put to that experience. And uh, that's probably why one of my top posts that I first posted on medium.com, like letters to my 10 year old self with anxiety or something. I think that's what it was called. So many people resonated that with that. And they were like grandmothers and mothers sharing that with their sons. And I was just like, it just made, it made me so happy because I, I never really had those words, but I live with anxiety and, and OCD too. I, I now, and after the surgery, something happened to my brain where mm. It just, it's hard to explain, but it, it exacerbated it so, so much that it, it felt like something was broken in my brain. Like I was just, OCD symptoms got so bad, anxiety and shame got so bad. And so it was something else entirely. It was, it was like a, whether a chemical thing or whatever you want to call it, but it, it was out of the ordinary. Yeah, it pushed you. And, and I, re I resonate with that. I feel like, and I've said this on my podcast, like my own episode, that even when I was younger, I felt I probably had... I don't know, like if, if, if you were to diagnose this, I guess there was areas there of probably not so much anxiety, but I don't know, but more like more of a depression type state sort of thing. But I guess like for, for even for, for me, 
you know, it's only when something happens in your life or a multiple of things. In my situation, it was a multiple things right. that once sort of hit me that sort of just, I guess, pushed me over the edge in the sense of like bringing out probably, you know, the anxiety and the anxiety that led on to the depression in my situation anyway. But yeah, right. no, I definitely resonate with that. And I'm, I'm glad that you wrote that article and that it was shared, which was, you know, fantastic. A lot of people resonated with that. Yeah, that's why... Well, it's, I think it's twofold. I, I write as much for myself as I write for others because it's healing for me. It's, it's absolutely cathartic and it helps me process my world. Uh, I, I think in words, I dream in words. Like I had, my, my dreams are just full of words, which I guess isn't as typical. It should be more images. But I also love to see how others interact with it because that changes the writing too and it changes the meaning for me when the words get out there and then people construct their own meaning out of it that's yeah. just a wonderful thing to see as well yeah, definitely and i want to talk about that more as well how did you go with the recovery with regards to the surgery how did you go from the state that you're in the headspace that you're in what was what was your road to recovery from there well if i'm being totally honest and it's not something i talk about a ton on twitter but i did talk about on one podcast is that i got failed by the mental health system like i, I did the things that i thought i was supposed to be doing i had a therapist who was helpful for relationship issues and helping me figure out my family life. Sure. But when it got to the point where like, I'm still not sleeping, I'm still really depressed, I'm still picking at my skin, he just got tired of it. And he said, well, you know, that's just typical checking behavior. Uh, you should be past that. I was like, well, I'm not. Mm. And it's getting worse. And so he just kind of passed me off to someone who was not qualified to be a therapist and essentially just told me she was doing it as a hobby because she was bored and she had me imagine like pink rooms that I was in so I could relax. And it was just like really, really bad stuff. And after that, I was like, this is hopeless. No one's going to help me. I would answer. I was a state employee in Montana at the time. So I answered a little questionnaire that says like, check these boxes. If you've been feeling down for more than a certain period of time, mm. no one followed up with me. Like I, I felt like I, I was in this position to have to convince my doctors how much I was struggling. And like when you're depressed, it's not a good place. It's a horrible place to be in. Yeah. And so honestly, and I'm so glad I did this. It was the scariest point of my life. Like I had, it was so much lack of sleep that I was having suicidal thoughts, actionable plans, like mm. of what would happen. And eventually like I left a work event and drove back to where I was living. It was like, I got to go to the ER. And like, I was crying all the time. Like, well, this is not me. Like this is something seriously wrong. I'm scared. And thankfully thankfully finally i went to the er and they believed me and they're like we have an open bed in this behavioral health unit and that is where i met a psychiatrist who finally diagnosed me the right way and she's like you have some major like ocd stuff going on you're on the wrong medication this is the kind of thing that you that would deal with it and you know what she was right like wow. i was anti-medicine for most of my life thinking I could just do this on my own. And a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for, and I think for good reason, but she gave me this SSRI Paxil and it actually worked and it's still working. And the intrusive thoughts that I had my whole life just suddenly started to go away. Mm. And I, I was kicking myself. I was like, I can't believe like it it just took the right kind of doctor because I had my, uh, my experience of, a really bad psychiatrist as well. Sure. Um, and this was just some telehealth one. They were calling in from New York, and but she was right. And it was finally getting the right kind of care that got me onto the path. You'd be a big promoter of regards to, because I've spoken to a lot of people as well, is 
they seek help and they see you know, a psychologist and they might say, well, I've done that and I spoke to this person they didn't really resonate yeah. with me or they, you know, didn't diagnose me, you know, as I feel the right way that I should be diagnosed. And, yeah. and I find that this, this is so common, this story about these diagnoses that just don't fit, that don't suit. Right. And, and people just being for fantastic for people that say, no, I'm going to try again. You know, no, I'm going to try someone else. Whether it's someone that, you know, you have a better relationship with or whether it's someone that can diagnose you in a, in a way that you feel is appropriate to, you know, right. your behaviours and symptoms. I think that's important. It's a friendly reminder to just keep fighting, keep pushing. Because, I mean, you're a perfect example as to... Yeah. You've tried and it's the system, as you've mentioned, has failed and you haven't found that right person. And it's so easy, I'd imagine, to be just discouraged with it all and just forget it. Yeah. You know what I mean, I tried that, tick the box, didn't work. It's not for me sort of thing. But to, to continue pushing, you know, and it's hard. Absolutely. I think there it is, is really there's definitely a reward for it. And, you know, obviously you're a, you're a perfect example of that. Because if you think – I'm so glad I kept going. But it was, it was so hard. It, it really was where you're in a horrible mental state. I was in the worst mental state of my life. Yeah. And yet I was still going to my job every day and trying to do everything and be everything to everyone. Yeah. And that was hurting too. I've read about that. I've written poetry about, like, wearing a mask and how damaging that can be. You know, I tried to, I tried to share with people, but they kept saying to me like, no, you're fine. Like you, it's just this one thing. Right. And once we solve this one thing, you'll be fine. And I was like, I think it's something deeper than that. Like, I really think there's something else going on. And it's why I so strongly believe in like a person centered approach, like physicians, mental health professionals. And as a social worker, this is my approach and it, it always works. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be arrogant, but mm. if you treat someone like a human if you actually listen to them and believe that they know their life best uh you're usually going to get the best result for them yeah 100 percent agree so from that diagnosis and going into the er did you find it did get better for you or did you find that you were like now on the road to some better recovery it's so much better yeah. so it's it's not just one thing i'm not i'm not a proponent now that says oh just find the right medication you got to have a holistic approach but actually having the right medication uh, help me get my sleep back. And once I had my sleep back, I could start focusing on myself in healthy ways. It, it's a multifaceted approach. So yeah. uh, in social work, we talk, talk about like the biopsychosocial spiritual model. Uh, and I think that's really true. Like, you do need to have those four components, whatever spirituality looks to you. It doesn't have to be a belief in God or, or whatever, mm. but I think to have a well-balanced life is pretty crucial. Uh, if you're missing one of those four areas, it, it, usually does not bode well. So so what are the four areas that you're referring to, sorry? Like, so biopsycho, social, spiritual, biology, uh, psychology, like your social relationships yep. and any spiritual connection you might have. Um, I think they're also important. Yeah, yeah, so okay. w whether you're, where you're working out or walking, uh, if you're eating well, mm. if you have some kind of, even if it's one close relationship, and then if you have a connection in something greater than yourself, I, it doesn't have to be God, like I said. It, it just... Like for me, mental health and uh, has been this weird spiritual thing. Uh, mm. Seeing that we're kind of all related in in this way, but with our mental health, that's helped me in a certain sense. Yeah, I resonate with that because I feel like for myself, like I'm I'm a big promoter in kindness, and and that's not to say like I'm running around being kind 100% all the time and I'm switched on. But right. I feel that I've got this belief like I'm not religious whatsoever. But if I you know if I was to pick one probably go buddhism purely for the fact that i like the ideologies of treat everyone equal everyone is human you know yeah. and and you know just treat everyone with kindness mm -hmm. treat them as you want to be treated as yourself and i find that when you implement kindness without expectation 
I feel that there's just you get a lot of reward from that, and I don't know. So yeah. that, that's my sort of thing. So Absolutely. I guess on that aspect of it, you know, whether you're giving back or doing something else, I try and be mindful about promoting kindness because I think there's you know there's there's a lot of reward self reward for yourself, and it's a good way of you know keeping yourself mentally well. It's a good way to to keep value in yourself as well. If you ever got sort of any self doubt in yourself or self worth, it's a good way. Something that doesn't require, yeah. require money. You know, it's something that you know, it's just a choice. It's a choice that we can all can make. So yeah, definitely resonate with that. Now I want to talk about content because you are producing so much content and you know, I, I, I want to get the journey about how you started creating content. So t- tell us about that. So you've gone from your own self-care and looking after yourself to obviously having this passion to want to share mental health awareness through your own right. journey. Tell us right. about that and how did you go about doing that? I think, was it Nerve 10 was the first one? I'm Nerve be- 10 was the very, yeah, good research. It was the first one I did. And it's a long journey, but I think what really started for me, and I think you're doing something similar, you're, you're putting into the world what you want to see more of, is that I wasn't seeing the kind of mental health content that I, I wanted to read or, or watch. Mm. That it, it, it was a lot of jargon. Like you'd search mental health, and this was years ago when I did it the first time, so hopefully Google has fixed this. But I'd search mental health, and I just get like doom and gloom search results of just, sure. do you are you suicidal? You're gonna die, and like don't be careful. And here's a hotline. But then mm. you'd search physical health, and you'd get like happy kids playing in gym class and running around soccer. Is like, it was totally different. Yeah. And I wanted to do my part to put stories out there that were authentic, that people could relate to, and like I said earlier, I did it as much for me as I did it for other people. I started Nerve 10 mainly to see if I could do it. Like, can I start a website? I don't know anything about this. Can I just see if I can share because I feel it's the right thing to do. Uh, I've had a lot of moments in my life, and especially after the heart surgery, where I just feel like this is what I need to be doing. And it gets kind of this weird esoteric spirituality thing. But it's like, I, can't, I have to do this. I don't know what it is, but I, I just get a feeling that I, this is what's best for me right mm. now. And that usually works out very well. I listened to my heart now. I, I, I was so in my head before the heart surgery. Uh, after the heart surgery, it was a rebirth in so many ways. And following my heart has always led me to a good place. So with Nerve 10, was that more so just about creating articles or what What did, What did? was actually the content on that website? It was mainly articles, like longer articles. There was a poetry section as well. And this is the kind of funny thing about content and, and just practicing in public. It's something I really believe in that you don't know what's going to work. Put it out there, what you believe in, and then see what resonates with people. It was the mental health poetry that was the most popular section of my website and kind of was like outpacing my homepage as like top search results. And and I didn't know that. And it was kind of lucky for me because I love poetry. I just didn't think anyone else would like it. But every time I put a poem out, people are like, wow, this is so meaningful. I never thought of it this way. And here it is, like, it's just my own brain. Like, that's just how I think of the world. But the, the kind of the gifts that you have that seem so normal to you, people might think are just beautiful. So I, I say just put it out there and see what people think of it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, one of the things that I really like about your content is, and it resonates, this is the first time you and I have, have had a chat. So um, right. I can only go off as a consumer of your content, but I feel like, and I feel the community that you formed feels this as well, is that... You're very self-aware and by self-aware, you're a reader. You know, you really yeah. enjoy writing. You like poetry. So you're self-aware in that 
the content that you create is well suited to you. You know, you're creating articles, you know, you're looking at affirmations, you're creating poems, which we'll talk about as well. I think it's a really good fit that you choose to do websites and you're doing those articles, that you choose Twitter as probably your biggest, you know, social outlet when creating content and get your messages out there to help others and creating and forming communities. And so like, so I guess your content has just evolved from putting it out there into the universe and seeing, which, you know, many of us all, you know, really want to try and do as well. You started with Nerve 10. You now have the mental health update website where you also do the newsletter now because the newsletter has been going since last year. Is that right? Yeah. I think today was the 53rd one in a row, which it's funny how all of a sudden you're like, I can't do this for three days. Now I'm at 53 days in a row. You just never know. And this is daily. Like, it's, I know I said that, but this yeah. is like a daily. And you look look at these newsletters. They're fantastic. Like, And even just the content, like your consistency and volume of content. I think that's one of the big things. I always see it coming up in my feed. And I think a lot of people like that. It's sort of like those. Like it's always there. It's like a friendly reminder that someone's kind of there to support you. Yeah, 100%. That's your goal, isn't it? For the website and for what you're doing on social media there is that, it is supposed to be this sort of update. It is supposed to be something like, a, you know, you, you, as you said, your gentle update for you, for yeah. a person each day. You keep it broad so it really resonates with, with you know, a whole range of people because mental health to everyone is very different. But, yeah, you, it's just this something that you just keep consistent that people can know that it's there. Yeah. And the objective is that for it to be accessible. That's right, isn't it? Exactly. Like uh, with Nerve Tana, the, the two words that I've always stuck with when I'm describing is accessible and meaningful. I don't, I don't know exactly how... I got to those words, but I think it's they kind of fit my personality. That's like I I crave meaningful conversations, so I love podcasts because they're just like you get to talk about stuff that you don't normally talk about with people, and I just I love it. This is so important to talk about that I I could talk about even though I would I'm mainly an introvert. I would say I could talk about this for days without getting tired because it's just so inherently meaningful to me. And absolutely right with the the mental health update. If Nerve 10 was like my experimental training ground, Mm. uh, I've become a little bit more intentional with what I'm doing now. And I'm choosing things to do that I know that I can keep up that don't feel like this massive amount of effort that are as much for me to create the habit as they are to get the content out there. So they, they help me build my discipline at the same time that they're helping others with the content I create. And, and And that's all intentional. I've really thought about how I go about doing this. I want to talk, and you mentioned this about your poetry, because two of your biggest passions, as you've said, is mental health awareness and creating that and poetry. And I think we can all agree that because mental health is so different to everyone, everyone sort of has an outlet as to how they wish to portray what they're feeling or how they're feeling it. You know, whether it's art with regards to actually creating art, you know, painting, sculptures, whatnot, versus, you know, poetry. Once again, it's art, but it's written art versus, you know, something that I'm interested in as well is video games. Yeah. Taking a page out here, like, I'm not sure, too sure if you're a big gamer, so I'm probably going a little bit off and maybe I'm resonating. Back with... when I was in high school, but no, in college, I stopped playing the video games for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's fine. But yeah, so <laughs> what, one of the things is just that like we've all got our mediums, different mediums as to how we either implement self-care exactly. or we use to explain how we're feeling at the time and whatever works for you. And I think poetry has sort of been one of those tried and true ways that putting pen to paper or keyboard or, or however mm-hmm. you want to put it down is that it has a powerful way when said in the right way to resonate with people and especially poetry i find that like poetry is very subjective i just finished a, going back to video games i just finished a once again twitter i found this game it's an indie game very i think she was about 17 her name was emily mitchell and she's from the uk she's from london actually okay. and it's called fractured mind 
20 minute game, very easy, very short, I should say, very powerful with regards to the mental health themes. She suffers from severe anxiety. So it was just her way of allowing her to express what she goes through. And which is fantastic, like for video games, it's all a big part of it, apart from self-care, is portraying I guess from a sufferer's point of view, to show a non-sufferer, like give them a little bit of a taste, I guess, as to how it feels, trying to betray. Because yeah. going a little bit off topic, but it's a big part of the stigma that I believe is just about the educational side of things. You know, the education coming from the awareness and creating empathy for a person that may not understand. And I think these mediums, exactly. poetry and video games, and things like that, if you can do it in a good way that is balanced, that allows someone to have some exposure to it it does create empathy and um and certainly going back yep. to this game the, the game had poetry through it you know it wasn't rhyming poetry but it doesn't have to rhyme it's just you know it can still be poetry but no i um, know exactly that's the wonderful thing that you can do it without rules and speak your truth some of the things that that were written in through that game it was just really powerful and so it sort of brought me back to poetry like i sort of with poetry i just sort of go through waves and i also think in some form, I feel that affirmations, when they do come through, I feel like they are somewhat of a poetry, whether they're, you know, short mm-hmm. versions or, you know, sometimes they're longer versions. But it's just something that is subjective that can address a certain message, but it can be interpreted in different ways as well. I know you mentioned about yep. poetry is getting an opportunity to speak your truth with the hope that someone else, you know, will resonate with their own truth or find their own truth through the poetry. But I wanted to get your feedback on that and how sort of how you incorporate poems within the content that you do. And Poetry is perfect for me because it's kind of how I think. And you're not in my head, so you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'll try to put words to it is that like just walking around, I might see an image and like a, a sentence will come to me. And that, that sentence might be the start of a poem. If I sat down and wrote right there, uh, you never know when the muse might strike. But honestly, if one day I become a big creator guy and I create a course uh, or I'm talking at a college, I would talk about Twitter as like a poetry training ground. Because if you're on Twitter, I would argue you're reading poetry on a daily basis. Because the way you have to format a message on Twitter to get your point across, it has to be written well. It has to be, unless you're rambling and you're a political kind of thing, there are exceptions, of course. But you'll notice that like my style has kind of evolved on Twitter. Like I started with big walls of text and lots of hashtags, and I, I did what I thought you had to do until I found my voice. And, and then now you'll see I kind of space out the lines. Uh, I try to have it's always sound well. Like that's a big part of me. I like reading as much and writing as much for the words that I write and read, but also like how it sounds when I'm reading it. Like does it have a pleasant sound? I think if you write enough, you kind of know like that sentence ended too short. That doesn't sound very good. Like it needs another syllable here or two. So Twitter's really helped me in the, in the sense of like becoming a poet as strange as that sounds. I have found my voice. I tweet every day. I've been tweeting every day for, for years now. So that's a lot of words. That's a lot of feedback from people on like what resonates and what works and doesn't work. Um, so it is hard at first, but you got to be in it to learn. And Twitter for me has been, I always think of it as a form of poetry. Part of the self-awareness for yourself, I think, is just knowing what works for you. You know, obviously we talked about the the written word and, and Twitter is just such a good platform for that. Obviously, like, you know, Instagram can be used in yeah. a similar way, but it obviously it's more visual. You know, Facebook is a is, is different kettle of fish as well. Right, um, So I think you've word. chosen wisely. And it's really interesting to what you, you say about that as well as about there's an art form because there really is. Like there's an art form for every sort of platform that you do it. And you need to cater for that type of, that medium, people using Instagram for visuals. Yeah, 
using Twitter for video, oh, sorry, for words and written. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously YouTube's for video and so on. And you've just got to cater for that for, and based on your content as well as who you're targeting that to. So, yeah, it's really interesting to, to get into that. And talking about yeah. the social. So, like, we're talking about Twitter here. When I see the content coming out on Twitter, as you mentioned, that, you know, you've been tweeting for a number of years every day. And I feel like when you're creating a community, it's almost like that is that is part of the requirement that you are consistent. And I'm fortunate to surround myself with a number of content creators that I can certainly lean off if I've got any questions and that. And, and I wanted to get your feedback on that as your voice has gotten louder. You've gone from these websites that you've created and they're getting bigger and bigger and you've, you've got the newsletter now that I've got so many people subscribed to that and they're, they're locked in on this daily as well. And then you're doing Twitter. I'm always mindful about content creators and burnout. I guess is, is where I'm getting at. The, I try and reinforce the fact that content creation is a marathon. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to go within your limits. You've got to go the speed that you can, I guess, keep up with and maintain. It is. And that's not to say, like, you can't stop. You absolutely can stop. And you should if you feel that, you know, you are being affected, whether it's your mental health or physical health or however it is. But I guess, right. like, what the conversation I just want to have a chat with you about is that you're doing the daily newsletter, Twitter posts, you know, every day. How are you managing with that? Do you find that, is that a task for yourself? Or do you find that, like, you've got a healthy balance? And how did you find the healthy balance if it is? It is tough. There's a lot, I think there's a lot to unpack there because if you do want to be a creator, and, and keep in mind, like, I want to hopefully one day do this for a living. Like, right now, I'm making the, tr- the transition from working traditional jobs. My most recent job and when I was on the East Coast was for a startup. And I was like, I got to be back. My wife and I, we missed the mountains too much. So we just moved back to Montana in the process. Like, I lost that job. But my the work, I guess, was good enough that they're still uh, having me work for them on contract. So... I have things just coming together. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing that, but I'm slowly making this transition to like being an entrepreneur and coaching people and writing some articles for people. And slowly but surely, I just have to believe it's going to work out. So, so this is something I do enjoy doing. And I, I think you have to ask yourself that question. Is this something you'd want to do every day? Like, are, or are you just doing it for money? Or are you just doing it because you think you have to? That is a recipe for burnout. But I, I think it's hard to burn out when you love what you do like if there's love behind it and you really believe in the mission for me mental health and raising awareness uh, for as many people as possible it's really hard to burn out and plus you know my story i struggled in the past i learned a lot from that it's not worth it again uh torturing myself in a job that doesn't treat me well uh, doing things that are bad for my mental health. My mental health has to come first. Like if I'm not sleeping at night, it's not worth it. I don't agree with the whole Gary V. Like he's great in a lot of ways, but Gary Vaynerchuk with like not sleeping, you got to sleep. Uh, read the book, Why We Sleep. Uh, read about the benefits of what happens to your brain when when we sleep. It's just, it's silly not to take care of yourself in that way. I think Gary's become more in tune with regards to... Yeah, I think in a he good and a bad way. ...so much with that, that criticism in regards to sleep. I think he's definitely on the defense as much as he can be as on defense because he's always in the offense, but he seems to be talking more about, like, that's the balance for him. Like, he finds a balance. He, lo- he t- talks more and more now about, you know, loving sleep. But I guess the, the big thing that he promotes as well through his talks is, is that self-awareness because you have to have the self-awareness to do this for as long as you to do it because as you've mentioned 
it's a hard slog. You're going to get a lot of you know, knockbacks and, and you've got to put in the work as you're right. doing if you want to turn something that you're really passionate about into success. But the whole key is that if you are passionate about it, then it should just flow because it shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be anything like that. Yeah, you have to make time for it, but it's something that, you know, regardless of the outcome, you should be able to put in, you know, the time. Because it, it, and it's all about time and, and you know, as Gary says, speed and, and, and putting out content out there. It starts with with a decision like you have to it, and that starts with self-awareness that you have to think about what do, what do I really want for my life, dude? What do I really want to be doing? Because I'm like, I'm a huge uh, I don't know if it's believer or reader student of like existentialism. So I've been really you mentioned Buddhism. I've been so heavily influenced by Buddhism, Stoicism, existentialism. Those really speak to me. They just seem true to me for whatever. They're not going to be true for everyone, but for me, they, they seem true. Like it's things I already knew that I'm just coming upon again. And I think you need to have that self-awareness to ask yourself the right questions and then make the decision. Okay, this is what I want to do because it does take action every day. I would be totally lying if I, if I said that it, it wasn't a lot of hard work. But it's manageable. Like you figure out what you want to do, and then you figure out what's the process that's gonna gonna get me there. And it's repeating a process every day. And if you do that, and obviously if you pick like the right kinds of processes, you will grow. Like that's how it happened on Twitter. And just doing that every day for years has led to so many opportunities, and has helped my other content grow as well. At the moment of recording, you're, you have roughly around about 28,000 people following on you on Twitter? Yeah, I think so. A little over 28,000. So with that one there, I'm just curious, is there things that you've learned along the way or like as people reached out for you for help and support that you've had to learn to manage as well with regards to what's yeah. your boundaries? My only thought is that when people start resonating with what you're putting out into the universe, whether they start leaning on you more so with regards to help. Yeah. So has there been any sort of situations where you found, wow, I really, this is a bit of a, a wake up call where I've been approached and I really need to set my boundaries, you know? So there, I think there are always going to be challenges mm. and it they just become new challenges the more you grow. and. Just to clarify, I did go to grad school and I'm trained as a social worker. I work, I've worked in the mental health field, but I kind of became disenchanted. I felt there was more I could do outside of it, honestly. There's a, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There are a lot of issues within the healthcare system. And I honestly felt I could do more outside of it. So yeah. I'm a little a bit of a wild card uh, in terms of formal education and the mental health system. But mm. I think that's okay. That We need all kinds of people to make a change. And to get to your, your point about people reaching out. Yes, it it can be kind of overwhelming at times. I just, this is not to boast or anything, but I just get so many messages on Twitter that mm. it's hard to keep up with them. Twitter's not the best for like keeping them in a good order. Uh, the people who message you all the time tend to go to the top. Um, so it's a lot and it can be overwhelming. Thankfully, I have my, my training in, in mental health, but I think the most powerful advice I can give is to just be yourself mm. and, t and, know what your limitations are and be honest with people. There are people who are really struggling who message me and if I'm there, I will try to talk with them a little bit, but I, but I will say like, I can't be here all day. I have to go do this. Um, here are some resources, here's something else. And even people who are struggling they get it. They just like that. I actually responded that I am a human being yeah. and that I do care. So even, even if I only have time to send two messages back, I'm going to try to show that I care, that I acknowledge what they're saying, that, that's another thing. Like now that you got me on this, when you grow on any account, people start treating you differently. And it's really weird for me because 
I was a guy who started doing this at like 270 followers back in grad school, like a couple of years ago. And I had one of those moments, like, I think I need to see if I can make this work on Twitter. I think there's a real opportunity here. And from that decision, I just went for it. I don't know why one day I just woke up and thought this would be a good idea, but it was a weird, like kind of, I don't know, otherworldly message. It was strange. Uh, and I just listened to my heart. Not everyone has good intentions. Some people try to manipulate you in the mental health care world. Especially there are some people who try to take advantage of you. Um, and I've had to have good boundaries. I, I've had to really stay true to myself and I don't do Twitter to get a certain, this seems kind of, people don't always believe this, but I do it for me. Like I put out what I'm proud of and I know I can't control what people say. Thankfully, I've gotten good people to follow me and I'd say 98% of the responses are positive. But in some cases you're dealing with people who are seriously hurting. And so though they might read something and interpret it in a way that you never expected. And they're just not going to listen to what you have to say. But that's kind of what happens. This is real life, and you have to put yourself out there to get any kind of reward. Yeah, definitely. And I think you, you hit it the nail on the head. If you put yourself out there and you got and you are being vulnerable, a lot of people are going to resonate with that if they do, if it fits in with their story and their experiences. But obviously, right. as you mentioned, you're not going to capture everyone. And there is going to be that, I'm hoping it's the minority, that you know will have a little bit of a backlash onto it in the sense of, you know, I disagree or, you know, give you some negative comment. I mean, like the internet's full of it. No one's got immune. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. You could be talking about catching fish on a beach in the nicest place in the world and you're still going to have someone, you know, yeah. telling you to put the fish back and all the rest of it. So where I'm getting at is that you cannot please everyone, but you've just got to have, just keep reminding yourself that you're doing it for all the right reasons and that you've got the best intentions, which may, yeah. I consume your content. That is absolutely you. You're speaking your truth. You're genuine. Having chats with you today, I know it just cements, you know, what I sort of already knew. So I appreciate that. And I know like just following you on Twitter, I know that, you know, you have this following of people that resonate with, you know, the content that you put out there. And what another thing that I really like is that you mentioned about you tweet as much for yourself or you create content as for you as you do other people. And I think that resonates with me. And I've spoken about this on the podcast is that a huge part of this podcast, if not, you know, 90, 85% to 90% of this is creating awareness and starting conversations and, and learning from my own experiences and yeah just trying to break this stigma as we spoke about earlier you know when you were t- talking about googling mental health and it just comes up with doom and gloom and all the rest of it and people that you know yeah. this just brings people back into the shell and they don't want to talk about things and they're just happy to just hold it tight and that's not what we're about it's certainly not what you and i our philosophies are but i what resonates with me is that that other 10 percent that you know the reason why i create this podcast is it's therapeutic for me it means I get to talk to people like yourselves. Mm-hmm. I get to learn, you know, this, I don't know everything, you know, I only know what I know and I'm only, yeah, and, same, I, and same I find me. that, and it's really interesting, like, you don't know what you don't know, but it's more about, you don't know until you get exposure to it. And, you know, whether it's something, whether it is a physical health illness or something like that, or a mental health illness or, or whatever it is, until you're thrown into the deep end or until you've got someone next to you or someone close to you that has it's happening to them it's almost like well then you got to do the crash course as to what it is so I, I hope you know with what you're doing there and what we're sharing here on this podcast it's just about creating that early awareness you know it may be not suited for you right now it may have nothing yeah. to do with you right now everyone around you is fine you are fine everything's fine but it's more so just to be mindful that like you got the awareness little thing to sit in the back of your head as a, as a nugget or you know you can go back to and and yeah, i think and, and it's something that i try and promote i guess on my social media 
where I'm, the balance is, there's something else that I think about as well, and I'm really interested to get your feedback on this, is that looking at socials, when you look at mental health and when you look at people promoting positive mental health, it's all about a lot of people putting out volume of affirmations or content and things like that. And I've got no issues with that. I understand right. that. I find that for me at the moment, it's sort of double-edged sword. I I post and I talk, I talk to guests that I really want to talk to. I post about things that resonate with me. I probably am more selective than a lot of other people when it comes to content Mm -hmm. creation in surrounding mental health awareness. Now, I find that it's, I find it's probably like the, the not the right way of doing things. And I guess the big thing that I'm learning through your content as well is that because everyone is, and I know everyone is different, but it's it's more so just about, hey, that resonates with you and that's great that you can post that or you've created that because, you know, you've got that connection. But expect that just like your podcast as well is that people are going to connect with a whole range of things. Even if, if they don't connect with me, they're going to connect with you or another guest or something like someone else's story. So I, I think right. I've got to be mindful, more mindful of that and create content not just for myself that resonates with me in regards to mental health and but it's more so just about if you see something there that you feel that would provide value or is true, you feel that is in your truth, yeah. then send it out. True. Because I'm, I'm exactly. it's always that filter of being genuine. You know, I don't want to, I feel that I don't want to flood people with just stuff that I've found that I feel, oh, you know, that's in the theme of it. I genuinely want to be like, hey, that hit me. Mm-hmm. You know, that resonated. I played that game. That resonated with me for these yeah. reasons. I would like to share that. Yep. But yeah, so I, I'm interested to get your feedback on there. Like what's your sort of philosophy, I guess, on sharing? I think you're you're pretty much spot on with that is that it is is something that is true for me. It's like it's, and I, I learn, I'm paraphrasing here, but there is uh, the founder of person-centered therapy who you learn about if you go to a counseling program, a social work program is Carl Rogers. He's just like, I, I love his approach, the person-centered approach. And he talked about like, it's the, the, and I'm not getting the words exactly right, but it's the word, it's the, the things that are like most personal, most private that like Brene Brown talks about it too. Like the, the icky stuff that you think like no mm. one's going to want to hear about. Those are the things that are most going to connect you with other human beings. Cause like we all have things that, that go on. So I just try to share things that I feel are true for me and that speak to a larger truth as well, because truth is truth. Like it, it could be one small part of my truth, but it's going to connect with someone else somewhere. And my plan is to just show up every day and do my small part, because if you're not ready for it now, like one day, uh, hopefully you come across it and it rings true for you. And I just love seeing it. Like I call it almost like the, the Twitter like spree that I'll be on there and I'll see all of a sudden someone I don't know is like just going through all my posts, liking each one. All It's like, I got one. We got, I got someone to, to, who yeah. likes this mental health stuff, and it's it, it just it's cool to see. Not in the fact that I got another follower, but just someone who's like, yes, this message is resonating, and it's all mental health stuff that, that we don't normally get to talk about. For any sort of content creator, regardless of what you do, there's nothing better than for someone to resonate with what you're putting out there. For you know Whether it's a comment or someone does a review or a like or something like that, just to say, I enjoyed that. Thank you for sharing. You know, and, and I've always said, said this from yeah. the start. If this per, if this podcast can you know help one person, then or it 
provides education to one person or provides strength or just helps in, and provides value in any way, shape or form, then fantastic. That's the reason why I've done this podcast. So, and it sounds, it's, it very much resonates with yourself as well. And you reminded me of something I want to say to you because you were saying, I don't, you don't know if you're doing it the right way. First, I don't think there's any right way. There, There's your way. And I think you need to keep doing it your way because you have to remember people are also following you because you're you and you have a unique perspective. And so I remind myself of that, that anyone really can share uh, bulk upload affirmations. And that's great. That serves a purpose. But you have a perspective that no one else has. And, and that's extremely valuable. It just comes back down to your own story, your own experiences. And uh, the, the objective is to, what yeah, do you want powerful. to do? You know, do you, do you want to help people through your own experiences? Because you are you, you're unique to anyone else. They haven't lived your life. They haven't lived through your experiences. They can absolutely learn from your, and learn from your experiences. And that's the best thing about podcasts and, and doing what we're doing here today is that we're sharing, not only we're right. sharing awareness, but we're hopefully speaking to someone else through exactly like through your poetry and, and hopefully it provides support and help to someone before we go two more things that i just wanted to check off with you so one and we i think we've mentioned about this before is there any sort of things that you do whether it's self-care or keeping your mental health in check obviously you've mentioned having a good quality balance in life you know being comfortable and happy with your work and what you're doing and and if yeah. you've got to balance that out like because i think i've talked about this on the podcast before where like people are in situations where they don't like their job for example you know but they're not in a position where they can't leave their job right now due to financial circumstances or whatnot but they might balance that out you know with with something else i'm not going to say here that that's the healthiest way of doing it like in an ideal world for my example and i've lived this life where i've found that balance you know what i mean i've i've been in a situation where i've left a job because i just emotionally was not happy with it i knew it was doing more damage than good you know and finding that balance you know i didn't I didn't exit from what I was doing. I'm still in the same industry doing, you know, something that I really enjoy, but it's just in different right. circumstances. Interesting how different circumstances can make a huge change. They do. But yeah, so I'm just interested, is there, is there things that you do that, you know, assist you in keeping yourself in check and, and making sure that, you know, you're looking after yourself? There are a lot of things and it's not something that all of a sudden I figured out this is the magic formula I need to do. It's a lot of trial and error. It, it's it's taken years to get to this point, um, but uh, habits, building good habits. I wish I knew about this when I was younger. I wish I didn't have to learn the hard way, but honestly, you, you do have to fail to learn. Um, everyone, I think one of the books that I recommend most often now is uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. No. Uh, it came out probably about a year ago. Uh, James Clear is a blogger who exclusively writes about habits, and he's been doing it for a year. He he knocked it out of the park with this book uh, it's one of the only books i see on amazon and other places that has a five-star rating with so many ratings it, it is that good uh, and it'll talk about how to like break down habits into the smallest chunks building good habits has been really crucial so uh, sleeping going to bed around the same time every day getting up around the same time that is big as dumb as it sounds it's the, it's the dumb stuff that'll change your life uh drinking enough water i i, I don't i don't even want to it sounds so silly now, but like so often where I thought I was like, oh, I'm depressed. I'm feeling down. I was actually just dehydrated. Like I actually just didn't have any water for hours. That's a big thing. I read every day. Uh, reading really helps me feed my mind. It gives me new ideas. Like I'm such an idea guy and I, I love being creative that I need to have a lot of information, like fresh information from uh, creative thinkers to, to keep my mind going. So I, I make sure I make time for reading. Usually before I go to bed, that's a 
typically when I do a lot of reading. Uh, but there, there were times where, you know, I was reading all the time in, in grad school. Uh, I do a lot of things out of, like, to prove people wrong. I don't know where I get that from. I don't know where I get that from because my parents aren't really like that. Um, but I had a lot of people, and I, this is the point I wanted to get at, too, where one of the biggest travesties, I think, in the world is that people don't feel like they can change their lives. Like, they don't think they have any choice in their life. Um, stoicism has influenced me so much because you always have a choice in how you respond to something. Um, even if you think you don't, there's usually a small choice that you can make. And getting back to, like, the choice I made with reading is that I was in grad school, and it was a lot of my peers were just just a lot of whining, like, oh, I'll never be able to read, like, oh, we have so much textbook and all this work, and you're lucky you can read, like, I'll read when it's summertime. And I and I thought to myself, is this really true? Is it really impossible to read right now? And it was in grad school where I started writing all the time on medium.com. And I ended up reading in one year, I think it was like 89 books in one year, <laughs> just having a book all the time. And I was amazed that here I was at the start of the year, I thought I was not going to have any time to read. I ended up reading the most books I've ever read in a year while being grad school full time. So you can amaze yourself mm. if you if you just make a decision if you're going to do something. Uh, you, you you can amaze yourself with what you can accomplish. Oh yeah, I think we can always find time. It's it's like I think it's just that it's the sacrifice part of it. And by that I mean you need to sacrifice something for something that you feel is more important. Sure. You need to sacrifice sure. your Netflix if you want to read more. You need to sacrifice you know whatever That's it is point. in your leisure time. It works the same thing with time, works the same thing with money. Do you know what I mean? I've got to save money. I don't have enough money to do really this, but point. I'm happy to spend, you know, six, seven dollars on a coffee or buy that jumper that I don't really need. But you know, just all these things. But you you can always you can always make the time. You can always it's just a sacrifice that people just need to, yeah. to get past that hurdle as to what am I willing to sacrifice right. to do this? Is this do I, if it's really more important then I can sacrifice that. No, and it starts with the decision, like another book that I really, um, I, I found really late in my life, but I understand why other creators really like it, is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon uh, Hill. One of the weirder, I don't think there's a personal development book like it, but uh, it, it is so helpful. It really, really is. It will change your whole mindset because I grew up with, I would say, like a poverty mindset. Mm. Uh, my, my parents were teachers and all they knew was like, just go get a stable job and you'll be good. You'll get a pension. But that's not how the world works anymore. And I had to really, I didn't start to see success in like influencing people and even making money online until I believed I could do it, as silly as that sounds. Um, but I never believed I could do it because I just didn't have any role models like that in my life. Um, and so that's another example of uh, where a book hel- helped change my life. And I, I wouldn't have thought that way probably without without that book. So it's it's lots of little things, and you touched on something so huge is that there are so many things I don't do that I don't even think about anymore that people are amazed. I don't watch any TV really. Mm-hmm. I I don't watch Netflix. I don't own that. My, my wife doesn't do that anymore either, and she used to watch it a lot. Um, it, so you have to you have to look at your time, and I use an app called Rescue Time to see where my time goes. Like it tracks my app use and also so my phone and my computer use, and I love it because. Often, I'll, one of the biggest takeaways is that I think I'm doing so much writing and I only wrote for like four hours in the week. It's like, really? I only wrote for four hours and I was on Twitter for nine hours? Like, I can surely write more. 
It's really interesting, like with that app, because I don't know how long it's been around, but but I've got an iPhone. I don't know what phone you've got, but when they introduced that whole weekly update as to how long you've been on Twitter and how long you've been doing these <laughs> yeah. things, like when they, it was almost like it's not a sh- it's not a shame app, uh, like not a shame app uh, update, I would say, but it's like I remember seeing you that know, for the first it time. It is going, so Holy dooly, Like <laughs> I spent that much time doing this, and it was like it's interesting. I don't know the psychology behind it. Obviously, it's a duty of care thing from you know, I'd imagine from um, Apple, this is your way of being accountable for the time that you spend on certain things. And, you know, when looking at it as well, it's like, it's interesting on the psychological side of things that when it first was introduced and it first came out after that shock of, all right, you know, that's, that's a fair chunk of time. I had no idea. (laughs) And I'd imagine it's someone like, it's someone when they're doing their budget for the first time and you're sitting there going, you know, how much you actually spend on coffee or, you know, how much you spend on shoes or whatever, whatever. And you realize you're totally up. But like the second time that it happened, obviously the second week that it happened, then you see you're down overall time on your phone and it's sort of like, I don't know, like immediately my head goes, that's a win. And I'm like, that's interesting. It's interesting that my mindset was like, yeah. oh, your time on your phone went down. My headspace went, that's a win. Like yeah, someone else could have taken it the other way and gone, well, that's not a win because I'm productive on my phone. The phone equals other things. I mean, the phone, you could do Netflix on the phone. So how productive is that? Um, hey, it's Lola. Good. You remember this one's chip. They all oh, look the same. Chip. But this oh, one's a little got, demon. For, for the I don't listeners, talk about chip as much because um, usually he's like lifting weights up. in the back. You've, like, yeah. you've got three cats, haven't you? Three cats, yes. And he is definitely the demon of the three, but he's a good one. I do like how you I, started um, doing the experimenting on Twitter, doing the live feeds. Yeah. They, and the cats always seem to be in there as well, so that's cool. Oh, they're everywhere. They're more like dogs. They they love me and my wife. But yeah, that I who would have thought on Twitter that those live videos would do so well? I got to do more because they some of the best engagement I've, I've ever had. That's awesome. And I think people re- – I, like, I always like video. If you can do video – you know, it's just that personal touch as well. And I, th- and I think yours, yeah. I've watched a few of yours and it's funny the first couple of ones because you literally just got the phone up to your face and you're just saying, hey, <laughs> right. this is on. I don't know if anyone's going to be here. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, that's the comments. You just or, almost like you're monologuing to yourself. But then yeah. like you're like, oh, there's five people. Oh, there's 25. Oh, there's like, and that's, that's cool because I would be, I've never done it myself. And it was so fun. It's a good way of you coming out of your boundaries, so to speak, or, you know, pushing limits as a content creator or, you know, sharing your message. And it's a different format because as I said, you're written and going to video just gives someone else just another insight that you may not be able to get through any other way. Exactly. Because I don't want, a lot of people think I'm like this perfect person who just like doesn't have any anxiety anymore. I'd have a ton of anxiety, definitely still have some OCD symptoms going on. And for me, it's always better to be real because like, I don't have to fake it. I don't have to remember who, what truth I told to, or half truth I told to what person. And, you know, I learned that again, the hard way probably from doing mental health support groups, especially with kids. Like they, they're going to give you the truth. If you're not yeah. real, kids will eat you up in a mental health group. So I always remember that and stick to like, I'm not going to try to pr- pretend to be someone I'm not. It, it's just, you connect with people so much faster when you're real. And I think people, I think people get that on Twitter. Even when I'm not doing a video, they can see that I'm like, yeah, I'm really, I, I believe in this. I like that. And I think that's one of the things that I've, I really, Twitter was probably my last platform except from TikTok. Cause I've no, well, I have a little bit of an idea on TikTok, but um, it's, it's one of those, <laughs> I, want to hear Snapchat, that. I don't even touch Snapchat. No, I tried it for a little bit. I hated it. Wasted my life. Yeah. No way. No. 
So you got to know what you know and you got to choose wisely as to where you want to spend your time. But, um, mate, I have taken up so much of your time. To wrap us up, I really want the, uh, the listeners here to have a look at your content and see if it is something that they, you know, want to check out, whether it provides them with value. There's certainly a heap of content there and it comes out daily and you are always posting, you're always live and active. And, um, and I think that's the reason why people not only resonate with you, obviously because you're speaking the truth and you're very genuine with what you put out there, but also that's just you always have a presence. And I think that's I think that's important. And I think with regards to mental health, people know that you're there if they need to turn to something or if there's something that you've published that resonates with them. So where can people find you? Where can people find your content? Sure. It is so funny that the main place is Twitter now, but Twitter is my, my home and I found such a good mental health community there. It is not the scary place. Uh, it is so community-based that there are good people in the mental health community and the writing community on Twitter. So that's where I mainly am. It's uh, JPBrown5 on Twitter. And the number of people from founders to podcast hosts that are just like, oh, I first saw you on Twitter. Like that is usually where people find me uh, first. And so uh, I mainly talk about mental health, inspiration, uh, those kind of tweets, poetry uh, on Twitter. Uh, but if you if you follow me at all, you'll see on my profile, I also link to my latest project, with this, which is the Mental Health Update uh, the mentalhealthupdate.com, which started with a newsletter, a daily mental health newsletter that we've talked about a little bit here. And you can sign up directly for that at newsletter.thementalhealthupdate.com. But I have more plans for the, the website portion of it, but really it's the it's this 352 people, I think, now on this uh, 53 a day old newsletter that I've been doing. And that's where I share accessible content meaningful stories and i tell a little bit about my stories because people seem to relate more to the personal stories uh, but also like actionable strategies and people really seem to like that as well it's like i'm actually going through things that that you can try and so much of it is just like bringing it to awareness which you mentioned because you can't change anything unless you know what's going on like you can't change how you're spending your time until you see your time is staring you straight at your face of like oh wow i was nine hours on twitter this week maybe i should not do that uh, unless you love it <laughs> and so uh the mental health update where it all started was nerve 10 and, and i think there's some ideas that i'll still have with that and that's nerve10.com and the story behind that is that nerve 10 is like cranial nerve 10, which is one of the most important nerves in the body. It connects to the heart, the lungs, like colon, all these things that just blew my mind when I learned about it. And that's kind of how I feel like mental health is. It's all connected to everything. There's a social component. There's a physical component. So there's all these things in mental health that we don't talk about nearly enough. And I think those are the main things. I'm also, I got a Facebook page for the mental health update. We're about to hit 1,000 followers there. Uh, and so that should open up some interesting opportunities for video content as well. Uh, that's the next path is to do more video content. That's especially uh, relatable for, for mental health information because it's how we learn. Like if you think about how you learn about mental health, it's not just written content. Mm. Like it's talking to people. Yeah. It's it's hearing their stories. It, it has to be that multidimensional approach. Yep. Uh, and so I think expanding into video content will help me do that. Yeah, I like how you're experiment. I, I like how you're experimenting into that. And I think 100% agree. It just gives that extra element where people can connect and resonate with you on a different level. Mate, thank you so much. I will put all the web links in the episode notes in this episode. Um, so guys, go check that out. 
Jordan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming yeah, on Dean, the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sharing your story, sharing your content. You're doing amazing work. As I said from the start, resonate with that. You've created this amazing community. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm just going to keep consuming it. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I hope you keep doing this as well. Uh, it, sounds, it seems like you have like uh, 12 or 13 episodes so far. Hopefully this is just the first 12 or 13 of many, many dozens more. So <laughs> thank you for having a platform for people to share their stories. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please make sure you reach out to Jordan and let him know. If you feel also that anyone else would benefit from listening to the episode, please make sure you share it across your social media platforms. Also, if you enjoy listening to the podcast and the episodes and the stories that are being shared by our guests, please make sure you've subscribed so that way you don't miss out on any future episodes that we drop here on the podcast. Another big thing, if you could take a moment and if you haven't done already to leave an iTunes review, it really does mean the world to me, but it also allows us to share the awareness of the podcast and make sure that more people are listening and the stories of our guests and the experiences that they're sharing get the message out there to others. Until next time, guys, much love, take care of yourself and each other.